He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh, that is amazing! Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And we have a very special guest with us today. If you clicked on this show, you already know who it is, but it's Scott Tway caddy of Brian Harmon, who just won the Open Championship for 2023, the champion caddy of the year. Scott Toy is here on the show, and we just conducted the interview, fellas, and you cannot get a better guy than Scott Tway. We asked him for 15 minutes or so. We end up going for about 30 minutes, fellas. You don't find them any better than Scott Tway and I'm I'm so happy that he took the time to come on the show. I think the people are going to love this. Oh, 100% they are. It was truly great. The the true OG 73rd hole listeners will remember Scott Tway being one of the first guests that that we ever had on the podcast right in the middle of COVID when it happened. He came on, he was extremely generous with his time and answer just as he was here and and what you talk about someone who who deserves this major championship. Been out there caddying for almost 30 years now. Uh, he's definitely been around the block a time or two. Knows his stuff. Everyone on the on the broadcast was talking about him. They almost talked about Scott Twain more than they did Brian Harmon, which was pretty funny. But I mean, Woody, just the, the fact that he's finally got this, this open championship, major championship for him, is a beautiful thing to see. Uh, yeah, I was so excited for him because I go way back with Scott because of his brother Bob, uh, and he mentions they're about five six years apart, so they were never competitive with each other, but they they had that that family love. So. I don't think people understand that 30 years out there as a caddy is a really rough life, guys. I mean, there are some ups and downs just like players have, and uh, they don't travel quite as nice. So, Scott, you know, I just love that he stayed out there. He got a good player, and uh, I guess what we always say, the golf gods took care of it, and it's about time. And it was well-deserved. Let me not hold you guys any longer. Let's hit a break here on the 73rd hole earlier than normal. And after the break, you guys are going to really enjoy Scott Tway. Like I said, champion caddy of the year coming up after the break on the 73rd hole podcast. And if you're not already subscribed to the 73rd hole podcast, definitely make sure and go do so. It will notify you whenever we drop great interviews like this one with our man, Scott Tway coming up after the break on the 73rd hole, Oklahoma's leader in golf. Hey everyone, T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at mccrayroofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. 
And we are back here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always. And we are joined by a very special guest. That is one Scott Tway. Yes, the brother of Bob Tway and longtime caddy of Scott Verplank, caddy for Chris Kirk for a while. And now you've been with Brian Harmon for about 10 years now. And obviously we are having you on to discuss you and Brian winning the Open Championship last week. So Scott, I got to start it off with the question everybody wants to know. Does a Guinness taste just a little bit better coming out of the Claret Jug? Because I assume you have tried that. It was absolutely the best Guinness I've ever had. Yes, it tastes much better coming out of the Claret Jug. <laughs> that is, that is good fact, stuff. I'm not sure I can drink a Guinness out of anything else now. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. Well, Scott, obviously you have been on this show. You were actually on this show before me or Woody even joined the 73rd hole. So congrats on being a recurring guest. But hey, I got to tell you, and I think I speak for all of you know Oklahoma when we say that last week was so fun to watch. But where I want to start this interview, Scott, is that last day – it was really crappy weather, and I got to know, as a caddy, I, we always hear about, you know, Brian being nervous the night before, you know, having the five-shot lead. You had to be a little more nervous as a caddy headed into that final round, just making sure everything was okay. We heard, I think it was Tariko saying that you had a pro shop underneath that umbrella, um, but just kind of take me through as, as a caddy what your mindset was going into that final round weather-wise. Well, to be totally honest, I wasn't nervous about the weather. I was nervous about the 18th hole. You know, I've, I have no trouble sleeping before any round usually, but that night my mind was buzzing. And it was mostly because I'm playing out every scenario that could happen when we got to the 18th hole because that hole was such a nightmare. So I'm thinking, what are we going to do if we get to that hole and we got a one-shot lead? And I'm playing this. I mean, it was almost like anxiety. And then, you know, I finally got to sleep, woke up the next day, got to the golf course, and everything was back to normal. It was like, it was just more like night terrors, you know what I mean? Oh, 100%, Scott. I could hardly imagine. Because Brian Harmon, the thing that people don't realize is that he essentially led this tournament for two and a half days. After that beautiful bogey-free 65 he shoots in the second round, he was leading by five shots after that round over Tommy Fleetwood. And then he's leading by five shots over Cameron Young going into uh, the final round and then ends up winning the tournament by six shots over a, a group of four players. So, Scott, when did it for you – you mentioned the anxiety of the 18th hole. When did it finally start to soak in for you that you guys were going to win this son of a buck? Well, I was trying not to think about it. And uh, I was still even – I mean, obviously it was fantastic walking to that 18th tee with a six-shot lead. And by that time, I was so confident in the way he was striking the ball I really wasn't even worried about it anymore. And, of course, you know, we knew we couldn't get to those left bunkers, which was huge. And so he just took it just right of the bunkers and absolutely striped it. And from there, it was just a game of management, you know, just play it down the left, make sure you don't flirt with that out of bounds, and then, you know, send it somewhere past those three bunkers on the front left of the green and and get her done. So, yeah. Walking up the 18th, I felt pretty good. But until he hit that bunker shot from the green side bunker, and then he came out of it, I still hadn't smiled yet. He came out of it, he came over, and he shoved me, shoved me in the chest, 
And he's like, come on, country, we got this. <laughs> so I finally cracked a smile, and I'm like, you know I can't get excited until that last putt goes in, but I finally smiled, and I haven't quit smiling since. <laughs> Hey, Scott, it's Woody. I've, hey, I've, Woody. Long time I've, no talk. How you doing, buddy? I know, buddy. Where do you live now? I, was I live in Tuttle, America, Tuttle, Oklahoma. I'll be darned. I, I wasn't sure if you're still in Oklahoma or not. Well, that's great. No, I was uh, – this brought back some fond memories watching that coming down there and having somebody named Tway and getting ready to win a major. So – uh, I was uh, I was tickled pink for you. I was gonna I was gonna ask you something about Brian. I met Brian a long time ago out there in the, at the Kingdom and TaylorMade. He was just starting on tour, and I got to watch him hit some balls. And I thought, why do I not know this kid? And he was really pretty good at Georgia. And I kept thinking to myself, why do I not know him? He is he's really good. So I asked guys at TaylorMade, and they all said he's going to be a winner. He's not going to be a world beater, but he's going to be a winner. What did you see in him? Did you see the same thing when you met, went to that back? Well, you know, Woody, I actually met him when he was 16 years old. Wow. Um, and I was caddying for Scotty V, and we were at the Heritage, and Holder was actually, Mike Holder was actually caddying for Bob that week, and he had gone there specifically because he was trying to recruit Brian Harmon. And Harmon had got in the tournament because he'd won the player's amateur at 16 years old. So he was actually playing in the Heritage. And so they set up a deal, and he played a practice round with us. And that was the first time I saw him. And here's this, you know, little kid, 16-year-old kid that I'd never seen or heard of before. And he's just out there striking it down the middle of the fairway, striking it on the green, making a putt. And I'm like, who the heck is this kid? And then, you know, he was gone. Really didn't think about him again until he made it out on tour. And I was cutting for Chris Kirk, and uh, you know how Chris Kirk is. He kind of bounces around a lot. So that was never going to last very long. And uh, so we finally split up, and he said, hey, are you interested in working for Brian Harmon? And I said, well, yeah, man, that kid can play. So he called me up, and, uh, you know, as soon as, soon as I was out there with him. I mean, we'd been together because for Kirk, they played practice rounds together and hung out. So I knew him, but I really didn't know his game on the golf course. But the more I was around him, I could see the talent that he had. So, yeah, I've known it for a long time. I've known it uh, that he had it in him to do this, you know, and I was just kind of waiting for it. And here it is. That's awesome stuff to hear, Scott. And uh, let me take you back. after You talked about that smile after he hit the bunker shot. Uh, you've been caddying for about 30 years now, right, on the PGA Tour. And so I'm sure you've thought about what a moment like that might feel like. How did it compare to your image in your head of you being a caddy for a major champion? Uh, how did that compare? And then what have the last few days been like as far as the whirlwind of you being on the bag for a major champion? Well, it was way better than I could ever imagine. I mean, you think about it. You know, when I thought about it, it was more like I wasn't going through the fantasy of what it would be like to win a major championship. I, it was more like, you know, I've been out here 30 years. I don't have a major championship. I need, you know, I need this. And and I wanted it bad. And so it was more of like, you know, 
I'm not going to be fulfilled as a caddy until I get this done. And so, man, thank you, Brian Harmon, because what a release, finally. <laughs> and at my favorite term, my favorite term at the Open Championship. It's unbelievable. So as far as uh, after, uh, you know, the celebration was great. You know, we went through the whole ceremony, and the first time I held that claret jug, it was like, you know, Brian walked in the room with it, and I said, let me hold that thing, and I grabbed it, and I just held it for a few minutes, and I didn't want to give it back, but I did. And then we went through the ceremony, and we went out to a barbecue joint named Hickory's over in West Kirby, and that's where we got to drink the Guinness. And we had a nice little party. We had Seth Straka and JT Poston and Brendan Todd and Brian's agent and a few other guys. And we had a great time. I mean, I'm still flying. I don't think I'm going to come down for a while. I'm just going to hang out up here in the clouds for a while. It really feels good. Now, Scott, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to go back and watch the broadcast at all, but one thing that I was utterly astonished with was the amount of disrespect Brian Harmon was getting. They were acting like it was some 16-year-old amateur out here that was just dominating this tournament. They were comparing him to, like, Ben Curtis and Todd Hamilton, their wins. And no offense to either one of those guys, but Brian Harmon's a hell of a lot better player than those two guys. They're not even in the same stratosphere. Brian's currently ranked the 14th player analytically, the 10th player in the OWGR. Why do you think he's gotten so disrespected over the course of his career? Well, I mean, we know how good he is, and I think they know as well. But I think they want they want a Rory McIlroy. They want, you know, the big story. And I don't know why, because I think the Brian Harmon story is just as good, if not better. So, but, you know, and the other thing was the, the crowd, we're in Liverpool, and you got Rory McIlroy and Tommy Fleetwood up there in the hunt. And that's who the people wanted. Now, you heard about all the bad stuff people were saying, and they were, but Liverpool's a rough place, man. <laughs> They were, and you know how they like to bet over there. I'm sure some of those boys had some wagers on somebody else. But uh, it was actually as hard as that was to kind of listen to. It it really was. I really do believe that it it motivated Brian in some way because you know he's he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder anyway. So to hear somebody telling him that he didn't have the stones to do this that. You know, you're not good enough to do this. It just fueled him even more. Now, hey, I want to ask a follow-up about that because I saw, you know, Brian go on Pardon My Take and he said that he didn't say anything back to the guy, but did Scott Tway say anything back to the guy? Well, so we had a lot of comments, okay? It wasn't just one. And I don't know, I'm not sure which one you're referring to because there were a lot. But I didn't say anything to any of The only time we were on the 10th hole and as we were walking up to the green, a guy yelled, you know, he's like, come on, Brian, get a job, you know, and uh, which was fine. I mean, you know, we heard a lot of stuff like that. But then he got up to the green, he had a three-footer for par, and he's over it. And the same guy, right when he's over it, yells, miss it. And so Brian had to back off, and he went back in, made the putt. And after he made it, this was the first reaction I'd seen from him the whole for any of this, he kind of turned around and took a step towards the guy and was glaring at him. And I said, Brian, you know, I just called his name and I said, come on, don't worry about him. I'll take care of it. And, uh, you know, we had security people right there. I never spoke to the guy. I just told the security people, get him out of here. And they did. 
you know, Scott, that's that's the crazy thing. You know, these guys will ask me a little bit of when I got to play, what little I got to play, and how the tour was different. It has got to be monumentally different from the standpoint of the crowds. And, and, and Sam kind of took my question there. Is security as good as what you just said? Are, are they are they really on it and get them out of there as fast as you guys want them out of there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we probably had three or four, you know, uh, uniformed police officers following the group. And then there was another group of about five, you know, tournament security people that were like crowd control and such, you know, walking along the ropes. So, yeah, they did a magnificent job. I mean, there's not a lot you can do about people out there in a big crowd, you know, that are just yelling stuff. But if there's a, you know, a circumstance like that, yeah, they're on it. Absolutely. Speaking of kind of that rift that Brian was having with the uh, European fans over there, I'm curious to know. Now, Scott, let me ask you this first. Now, were you on the bag for Scott Verplank during his Ryder Cups? Yes, I was. So, I mean, how excited are you to, you know, be on the Ryder Cup team this year? Obviously, Brian moving from 20th on the Ryder Cup U.S. points list up to third. He's going to be in Rome this year. How excited are you to be on the bag for that? Yeah, I'm super excited. Now, you know, it hasn't happened yet, so I'm not going to. Right. I'm not going to get too excited about it yet. I mean, he moved up to third, and you know, from what people are telling me, it's 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 going to be pretty tough for him to move out of the top six. But you know, there's it's it's all money based, and there's a lot of money in the FedEx Cup playoffs. So I'm not taking anything for granted when he either finishes in the top six at the end of whatever date that is that that that's over. Or when Zach Johnson says, hey, I want you on this team, that's when I'm going to get excited about it. Well, I'll tell you uh, this right now. Brian Harmon is not picked for that team. There will be riots <laughs> in the street. Preferably from here, it would be one of the biggest jokes of all time. But, but Scott, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong here, but the two Ryder Cuts that you uh, you caddied for, uh, Scott, or, I'm sorry, Scott Burplank in, were both I- I- international as well over in Europe. So this one being over there in Rome as well. What are some things that you can tell Brian to potentially look forward to with a little bit more hostile crowd than you have over here in the States? Well, I don't think there's anything I can tell him because he's just experienced it. I mean, he's gotten as much of it last week that he'll ever get at a Ryder Cup. And, you know, traditionally the Ryder Cup is it's, it's a different kind of environment. It's loud, but people are rooting, but people are still respectful and they're very respectful usually in Europe. So, um, I don't think it, you know, I don't need to tell him anything. He's, he's dealt with it enough. You know, that's something I was going to ask you too, because uh, I thought you had worked a couple of Ryder Cups. If I'm Zach Johnson, you know, as well as I do, that caddy's pretty doggone important who plays in that tournament and his caddy. So, uh, again, I'm 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 with T Dub. If he's not on that team, I give up. I've done. I've played PGA. <laughs> well, I I, can't, I, I can't hope you boys are right, and I tend yeah. to agree with you. Yes, I mean I agree with you 100. percent But that doesn't change the fact that I'm not going to get excited about it. So, <laughs> no, no, and I don't blame you. Hey, what do they say? The fat lady ain't saying yet. That's so, uh, right. That's right. But you know what's interesting about what you just said is when we did play in the Ryder Cup that. And, you know, I kind of almost want to forget this one, although we did have a great time. But we were in that uh, Ryder Cup at the K-Club, which was an absolute rout. But um, but Scotty V only played in two matches. 
And his first match, he was paired with Zach Johnson. And so we, and we played with Zach Johnson at the shark shootout numerous times. So, you know, I've got, I've got a lot of history and I've known Zach for a long time and he and I are good friends. So, um, I don't think that's going to weigh anything in his decision. The fact that, you know, maybe he'll be happy that, you know, that I'm there and I have experience, but I don't think it's going to weigh in his decision on whether or not he takes Brian Harmon. I think that's going to be all dependent on Brian Harmon. Scott, I'm curious at the start of last week if you knew it was going to be a special week. And we've heard other, you know, shorter hitters on the PGA Tour talk about there's certain weeks that just set up better uh, for the, you know, shorter hitters on tour. We've heard Kevin Kisner talk about, you know, why do I still show up to Torrey Pines? Because they pay me a boatload of money for time for 20th. But uh, did you think at the start of last week, that Royal Liverpool set up really nicely for uh, Brian Harmon? And if so, what were the certain aspects of the golf course that you really, you know, knew Brian might kind of uh, take over this golf course like he did? Well, um, yes, uh, I knew it was a good golf course for him. And the reason I knew was because we'd already played there in 2014. He just won the John Deere. And so because of winning the John Deere, he got the last spot in the Open. So we got on that charter and went straight over and it was his first Open Championship. And he played good. I think he finished in the top 25. And, uh, you know, it was just, it's, it's a good fit. And the, the main reason it's a good fit for him is because the most demanding part of the golf course is off the tee. The bunkers are, you know, numerous. And they're, they're not just, you know, in the area where the drives are going to end up. They're kind of staggered. So you don't have to avoid just one or two. You got to avoid, you know, three or four or five sometimes. But that's part of the beauty of Brian's game is it, and, and it's not just that golf course, but when we get on golf courses like, say, a Hilton Head or a Colonial, because he's so confident with his driver, where a lot of guys are hitting irons off the tee just to get the ball in the fairway, he is confident about pushing it up there with his driver. So it almost, you know, turns his driver into an advantage. And we had that in a lot of respects on that golf course. And, you know, coupled with the fact that he was driving it so good, um, you know, he only drove it in one fairway bunker all week, which is pretty amazing. And one of the things also that was amazing too, Scott, was how just how hot his putter was. I believe it took him 66 or 67 holes to miss a putt inside of 10 feet. And then after he did that, he ends up making – a 40 footer on 14 to essentially almost seal the tournament at that point. So kind of a two part question here. One, what do you think makes Brian such a good putter? And then two, you've been out, out caddying for a very long time. Where does Brian rank amongst the best putters that you've ever seen? Yeah, well, so he hadn't been putting very well the first start of the calendar year. And, uh, and even at the end of last year, although he had a couple of second place finishes come down the stretch in the fall, he wasn't putting like Brian Harmon. And, uh, you know, he's really frustrated with it. And so he kind of, you know, I mean, in reality, he was, he'd was he gotten to where he was kind of cutting his putts a little bit, and he was hitting them weak, and they were dying at the hole and just breaking off and what have you. And he found, a, you know, one of those little training aids in his house probably about, I don't know, a month and a half before the Open. And it, was one, it wasn't just one of those straight-line putting aids. It was the, it was the arc putting aid and so he started getting a little 
more feel of the arc and he was able to release the putter head a little more. And that's how he's always putted. And all of a sudden, you know, the solidness was back. The, the solid hit, you know, because when he makes putts, they look like they're diving in the hole. They have speed to them. And that was the other thing that was good about the open is you can putt aggressively on those greens because they're not extremely fast. You don't have to worry about the ball rolling out on you an extreme amount. So he putted very aggressively. And when he's able to do that, he, he fills it up. And as far as uh, to answer the second part of your question, you know, it's, I've heard, you know, Scotty Verplank is a pretty dang good putter. And uh, I've had people, you know, tell me over the years things like, you know, if I, if I had a, you know, 10 footer for my life, I'd want Scotty Verplank to putt it, which I can't argue that. So that being said, when Brian Harmon is making putts, he just, he, he, he just keeps making them. I mean, it's like you're, you're looking at a guy that you, you just don't think he's going to miss. And uh, so it's a little bit of a different style. I think, you know, Scotty's just a guy who, you know, when he had to have it, he could do it. But Harmon can just get on a roll with a putter, and it's like he's never going to miss. I can't, that's a hard question to answer. But uh, after last week, I might have to give the edge to Brian Harmon. <laughs> Sorry, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he did win a major. So, hey, here's here's another question for you because I, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are curious. When do you go back? What's your first guy's tournament back, and how much fun is that going to be with him being announced as an open championship? Winner? Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Um, we're going to – uh, the rest of this week off, obviously, and then we're going to take next week. We're not going to play the Wyndham, so we'll get started back at Memphis, the first playoff event. Okay, and, I wondered. I wondered if that was that long. Yeah, so, uh, and then, you know, I, we're pretty much, I mean, we're pretty much guaranteed to get to Atlanta now, so we'll play those three, and then uh, hopefully after that, we'll be getting a call. What's that? What what hunting season will the Ryder Cup mess with, just in case you're in? Well, that's uh, that's for him. That's uh, that's his elk hunting trip. So no elk hunting trip this year. But he wasn't going to get to <laughs> he, he wasn't going to get to do that anyway because because his old boy that he goes elk hunting with who's got a really nice property out in Colorado. He's taking fourteen couples to the Ryder Cup, so he wasn't going to go anyway. So he said, "You better make this team because he ain't going elk hunting." <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, see, that's karma. There's karma if I've ever heard it. That's right. You are right. That works out perfectly. Uh, Scott, I got to ask you about this, and I think a lot of our local listeners here in Oklahoma will really like this question. Did you talk to Bob, or when you talked to Bob, I'm assuming you did, right after the tournament, what was that conversation like? Obviously, Bob Tway, the 1986 PGA champion, got his major championship, and now you have your major championship to call your own. Uh, what was that conversation like between you two? Yeah, that conversation just happened today, actually. I mean, we communicated through text after it was over, but uh, I didn't talk to him personally until today. And, uh, you know, he was he's just super stoked for me. He knows how much it meant to me, and he knows what it's like. So. You know, he he's just elated. 
He really is. Did we you just, give him the needle at all, saying that I have one too now? <laughs> no, I did not because, you know, I don't, Woody knows my brother. He's, he's just not a guy you give the needle to because he's just too nice a guy. <laughs> right. That's right. I, I know. That's, that's a fact. I know that he was was as happy for me as anybody else. So, you know, there was no needle to be given. And the age difference between us is five and a half years. So even growing up, we didn't have the competitiveness that a lot of brothers have. You know, we weren't playing against each other. And if anything, you know, I idolized Bob. You know, he was my hero. So, you know, we got in that respect. There's, there's, there's not a whole lot of competition between us. It's, uh, we're just happy for each other. That's all. That's beautiful stuff, there, Scott. Truly is. Now, the last question I have for you is: obviously, this huge milestone you just got here at Liverpool, getting your first major championship. Unless something drastically happens, you're going to uh, Brian Harmon's going to be on the Ryder Cup team, and so he's. Getting through a lot of milestones already this year, he's still only 36 years old, still has a lot of golf ahead of him. Plus, he also has a game that I feel like will translate into later years. It's not like he'll going to lose an abundance of distance or anything like that. So, just from what you've seen, what do you think the future holds for you, for you and Brian? Well, yeah, I hope it holds uh, a lot of big things. Um, you know, because, like I said earlier, I expected this sort of thing from Brian. And, uh, you know, I've, I was – I started working for him in 14 and he won his first tournament in 14 and then he won again in 17 and he's kind of, you know, been on a little drought as we know since then. And it's not because he hadn't been playing some good golf because, you know, he's had, I think he's had more top tens than any other player who hasn't won a tournament in that time, but he just wasn't, wasn't getting in the winner's circle. And he touched on it a little bit, you know, because he does, he's got an extremely active mind and he's trying to, you know, predict what's the future. And he wants it really bad. And that was one thing that he really did. And I've never seen him do it better than last week was he really bought in to staying in his process and using his process to, you know, help to eliminate his mind from getting off on, you know, things that he didn't need to be thinking about. And he really was disciplined in that. And, so I can't be more proud of him. And I saw that early in the week and we were on the range and he was, I was standing there with Justin Parsons, who's his swing coach. And, you know, we talk about this stuff a lot. So he was, uh, you know, Brian, just out of the blue, he, he started talking about, you know, going through his process and how he, how that was going to help him. And it's the first time we'd really heard him talk, talk like that. And we kind of just looked at each other like, because huh, we knew he was playing good. So when we heard that, we were like, hmm, okay, here we go. Let's see what happens. And darn it if it didn't happen. Scott, going to something there that I think that people would like to hear because you're up close and personal, a lot of people think there is too much chatter with caddies today or the caddy is doing much more than he used to. Uh, you know, back in long time ago, Bob, my, when we, we had one, if you had a good one, it was a miracle. Uh, and keeping them, it, there was no money. So when you think about your relationship with Brian, how does it, with some of these other guys that your buddies with out there, how much do they chat with their players? What do they do? You know, give us a little insight on that. Yeah, well, I'm one of those old school guys. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, 
I'll probably piss a lot of people off, but yeah, I think there's a lot. There's way too much chatter going on. But that being said, you know, the players are different today. I mean, they've got a much bigger support group around them. You know, they've got a lot more people, a, a whole team now, and that's kind of the way it's gone. So, you know, if in the old days when you were playing and Bob was playing, you know, the, the rule was to show up and keep up and shut up. And, you know, don't offer anything unless somebody asks for it. And, uh, you know, now you hear guys talking about the team and they're talking about we. And, and so they're, and, and they're doing these things for a reason. But, you know, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of chatter out there. I mean, look, Brian and I's relationship, we talk about the things we need to talk about as far as, uh, you know, the yardage and the wind and what kind of shot we're going to hit, the strategy and things like that, trying to get on the same page so that he is as confident as he can possibly be when he steps into a golf shot. And, you know, he doesn't need a bunch of cheerleading and he doesn't need, you know, a bunch of chatter and I don't give a bunch of chatter because I'm not a big talker, but, um, you know, and the rest of it is just conversation to keep things light and to keep his mind off of, you know, to occupy his mind between shots and what have you. So, you know, I don't know. I guess it's good for a lot of people. I don't know if I even answered your question, but for a lot of young guys, that's, that's what they're doing and that's where it's going. But I don't know if it's, if it's better or not, to tell you the truth. I got to follow up off that. I mean, we heard Brian talking about how he was thinking about Kirby Smart in the shower uh, the morning of uh, Sunday of the Open Championship, basically saying that, you know, if you're scared to fail, you will fail. Uh, are, are you bringing up things like Georgia football to him during the round to get his – what kind of things to get his mind off the uh, round are, are you bringing up to him during the round? Yeah, I mean, we talk about Georgia football, and, you know, we talk about – we're both Atlanta Braves fans. We talk about the Braves. We talk about fishing and hunting. And, you know, he tells me about the, you know, new tractor he got or, you know, what he's planning on doing at his farm when he gets home. And, and you know, I mean, just look, we've been together for 10 years and and we're good friends. So, you know, we're, we're pretty in tune with each other's lives. So we know what's going on. So we got plenty to talk about. That's, that's not a problem. That's good stuff. And you mentioned the tractor. That was actually my last question. We heard that uh, Brian did get a new tractor. Uh, what what Are you going to make a purchase after this a hefty check that not only Brian got, but I'm sure you got a hefty check as well? What What's your first purchase going to be after this major championship? I don't – I haven't – I haven't planned on making any purchase. I haven't – there's not something that I have been – aching to you know get that that i haven't been able to get that i've been waiting for and that this is gonna you know that i'm no i haven't i got nothing man i'm happy i am happy i'm happy drinking guinness from the claret jug that's what really made me happy that's an all-time clip right there on the 73rd hole. I'm happy drinking Guinness from the Claret Jug. Well, I think I speak for all of Oklahoma, Scott, when we tell you that we're really proud of you and we really enjoyed watching you and Brian at the Open Championship last week. And thank you again for spending so much time and being so generous with your time today on the 73rd hole. We really appreciate it. 
Well, thanks, guys. I, I appreciate it, too. I enjoyed it. It's fun talking with y'all. And uh, it's fun talking about this topic because, uh, you know, I'm going to enjoy this for a long time, and I'm probably never going to get tired of talking about it. It's, uh, you know, one of the greatest things that ever happened to me, so it's pretty awesome. No doubt about it. Hey, Scott, if you ever, if the Claret Jug ever makes its way to Oklahoma, definitely let us know. <laughs> we would love to see it. I will definitely let you know, but I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, well, Scott, thanks again. We really appreciate it, man. You're the man. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I appreciate it. Good talking to you. See you later.